Hi, I'm Ian, co-founder of Dig Insights and president of Dig's innovation insights platform, Upside. Welcome to Dig In. Dig In is the place to stay up to date on what's happening in the world of innovation, research, and technology, to find inspiration from today's business and innovation leaders, and to properly dig into hot topics that matter for consumer brands right now. And when applicable, we'll bring our own research to that conversation. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to our latest episode of Dig In, the podcast brought to you by Dig Insights. I'm super excited about our uh, the person that's joining us today. We've got Risa Dusing from Tyson Foods. She's the Vice President of Consumer Insights, Analytics, and Sensory. Uh, we're incredibly excited to have her with us because she brings decades of experience in the market research space and some of the stuff that they're working on. At Tyson right now is, is really cool. We're going to dig into why she loves research, the way that she approaches hiring and developing skills within her team, as well as how she focuses on the right research methodology, methodology sorry, and when she likes to rely on her gut. Risa, thank you so much for joining me today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm really, really excited to dive in. Uh, Reese and I got a chance to have a conversation a couple weeks ago and kind of threw the script out of the window because, uh, yeah, you've got a really interesting background. Can you tell me a little bit about how you got into your career today? Sure. No, I'm absolutely happy to. Um, so interestingly, I, I've been in somewhat of, of the same career, uh, you know, throughout my career. Um, and really, it began, I, I was always interested in psychology, and I continue to be, right? Like how, how people think, why they do what they do, and how that, you know, influences the world. Um, it's interesting, because I, I like to tell people a story about a high school job that I had, and it was in a call center. So way back when, when call centers were a thing, which they no longer really are. Um, and it was a market research company. And I was calling people on the phone and doing a survey, whatever that survey was that week. Um, and I started to have just a high level of interest um, in the work that was happening kind of on the other side of the wall, the people that were building the graph from the data, the people that were analyzing the data and, and were working with their clients um, in terms of, you know, what we've learned. And I, I started to have a lot of interest in that and just understanding more about market research and how that kind of data was used. Um, so that's, that's kind of where it began. I think very few people would say early in their career, I actually wanted to get into market research, but I, I did. Um, I knew that it was a career from that, from that job. And, you know, when I was in, in undergrad, I, I took some classes and, and got a little more familiarity um, with it. Uh, and, you know, what I'd say is after that, you know, early in my, my career, I, I started more, you know, from a data perspective um, and then took on a lot of different roles after that to start to, to build out the expertise and, and start to get a, a broader perspective beyond that. That's super interesting. Um, I love the mention of, you know, wanting to see what was going on, I guess, on the other side, like, you know, what was it about what was going on on the other side of the glass, I guess, that was so interesting to you? Yeah, no, it's a good question. Um, it's, 
it was really like, okay, so we're collecting all of this data um, and one conversation is, you know, a few data points, but how does it all come together? What are the trends? What is the story that comes from it? Um, and if you'd asked me that, I might not have articulated it the same way, but, you know, it, it was fascinating to me. And then, and then seeing the end result, which, you know, I, I was uh, pestering them a bit to see, um, but seeing the end result and what was being shared with the client and what the learnings were, um, I just found it incredibly fascinating. Uh, and, you know, like I said, I then decided to take some classes and, and understand a little bit more coming out of that. Um, you know, throughout, throughout my career, I've had, you know, a, a variety of different roles. Um, so again, that was, that was back in high school, you know, and went to college. Um, after that, started at um, a research company. Um, and, you know, I've worked on both the supplier side as well as the manufacturer side. I've worked at small companies. I've worked at large companies, um, small brands, large brands on the shopper and category management side, as well as you know, on the insights analytics, you know, on, on the brand side, um, innovation based business. And I just think in every one of those roles, um, there's something to be learned and you continue to build your, your breadth of expertise. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it's always so important to have that well-rounded view of what you're working on, which leads very nicely into my next question. Um, I think you're probably just being very modest, but we also talked in our last catch up about how you got your MBA um, and how that was such a worthwhile investment, both you know, time and money-wise. Why do you think it was such a worthwhile investment for you? I know. It's an interesting question, um, and I don't know that it's it's right for everyone. Um, you know, not not everyone needs to get their MBA. Not everyone is interested in doing that. Um, for me, you know, it's interesting. So I ended up doing it part time um, while you know while I was working. So I, I wasn't changing careers, and I, I think oftentimes people go get their MBA because they want to change careers. For me, it was understanding the holistic business picture, um, and I felt like it would enable me to you know, do my job even better than I was. Um, so when I, when I think about what I've learned there, you know, learning the financial aspects of the business, um, you know, learning strategy, learning things beyond just my specific job function and, and understanding everything else around me helps me, you know, now I think about it and I'm so glad I did it because it helps me to think more holistically and be more impactful um, in my job. You know, the other thing is in going part-time, I had the opportunity to learn from folks in other industries so, you know, different ways of thinking, new ways to approach problems. Um, you know, I'm, I'm very happy to have spent my career in food and beverage, but um, there's a lot to be learned from, from folks in other industries. And so there was an element of that, that, that I truly enjoyed as well. And you mentioned, you know, it might not be for everyone. Why, why do you think it's, you know, obviously it worked out really well for you, but why might it not be for everyone? Well, truthfully, I love school. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, you know, and, and I recognize that not everyone does. Um, I love learning. I enjoy, you know, learning new things and pushing myself, um, in that way. Um, and, you know, going to school, going back to school specifically part-time is a major, major commitment from a time perspective, from a financial perspective, all of it. Um, and you don't, you know, it's not necessary to success. I, I know a lot of folks that are really, really successful in what they do and they haven't gone back to school. So, you know, it's not necessary in my mind. And, you know, this is just my perspective. And in my mind, it's it's a personal decision and it's what what's right for you versus a requirement. 
um, I personally felt like I wanted that broader, you know, understanding and I'm so glad I did it. Now, at the time, if you'd ask me, I'd say, I'm crazy. Why did I decide to do this? I have no time and this is insane. Um, but as, as I look back, it's, it's something that, you know, I'm really glad that I did. And, and I really, truly think that it, it helped me to just have the perspective that I have today in my role. And what is your role? I mean, we know what your role is. You're vice president of consumer insights, focus on analytics and sensory, but what does that mean? Can you talk to me a little bit about your day-to-day and what all the components of your role are? Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, no two days are the same (laughs) and it's part of what I love actually. Um, I love that every day there are different challenges. Now I say, I love that, but it also makes it, you know, more difficult than if it were the same every day. Um, No two days are the same. There's always going to be different business challenges. There's always going to be different work to be done, different strategy to build different, you know, insights to glean um, based on what's going on. Um, You know, when I, when I think about my role, it's uh, what I love is it's really, you know, I think about it as consumers from start to finish. Um, it's everything related to consumer attitudes, their behavior, how that drives the marketplace. Um, and so I have very distinct functional areas that roll into my team and work together. And I think that's important um, to kind of, you know, lay the foundation for what what the day-to-day looks like. So we've got you know, consumer insights is, is the, you know, traditional co- consumer understanding, understanding attitudes, understanding how to position products, how to develop innovation, um, you know, advertising and messaging. Marketing analytics is all about, you know, understanding the marketplace um, and forecasting and anticipating what our business is going to look like and then understanding those levers and those drivers in market. Um, and then sensory and, and product research is really about, you know, everything from if we're launching a new product, making sure it delivers on the consumer's unmet needs and is delivering from a product perspective. If we change a plant process, if we change an ingredient supplier, it's, it's vetting that out and ensuring that our products are, are the best that they can be and in, in delivering on the expectation and experience for consumers. So, you know, it's, it's in some ways three distinct areas, but they're, they're so highly related because it really is end to end, you know, what we expect from consumers and and what, what that translates into from a business decision perspective, and then also, you know, in market or performance. That is a lot. It's a lot of, but I appreciate that the distinction between consumer insights, the analytics, and then the sensory space. I think it does very neatly speak to how it is end to end. What do you think your favorite bit is about your job? Hmm. Can I have a few answers? I think I have a few answers. Okay. (laughs) Um, Okay. You can have a few. (laughs) Uh, You know, I'd say it's discovering, well, I'll talk about the the role itself and then the team aspect of it. So, you know, discovering new things, um, solving problems with data and intuition, you know, both, both, I'd say equally important, Um, you know, new ways for us to think about the consumer, how their attitudes and behaviors impact our business. Um, you know, and in that space of discovering new things, solving problems, um, enabling the decisions, you know, the pandemic has been a field day for this. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, you know, the hardest time of my career, I would say, and, and my team is working so hard throughout the pandemic, because my gosh, like, how, how do you predict consumer behavior when it's just not fully predictable? Um, but wow, also the most exciting and rewarding time of my career, because our, our role has never been so important. 
um, understanding consumer behavior and what we expect consumers to do and what that's going to mean for our business. You know, my team knows and understands that better than anyone else at the company. Um, and I've encouraged the team to, to recognize that and not be shy. Um, but, you know, that's, that's my, I'd say the fav my favorite part about what we do. Um, you know, the other piece, the reason I said, can I, can I have a few things? You know, the other piece is um, the team and truly, you know, the ability to build and support my team and enable them to do their best and drive the business. Um, and then, you know, ensuring that the consumer um, marketplace thinking are at the forefront of every decision at Tyson. Um, so I take, you know, I, I love the problem solving aspects, discovering new things just from a personal perspective, but I also take incredible pride in, you know, what my team accomplishes every day and, and being able to, to be a part of that and, and truly have an influence. I think that's a really, that's a really nice answer. Cause as someone who manages people as well, it would be hard for me to separate the, the part of my job that I love, which is all about, you know, the getting your hands dirty, the marketing, like problem solving. And then also that kind of nurturing a team aspect is, is another thing that feels, I mean, they're obviously very related, but, um, it feels like a lot of the time on a day-to-day, like walking out of meetings and stuff, like the favorite, my favorite thing that I get to do. So it's nice to, nice to hear that I'm not alone in that and no harm, no harm. You, you can have more than, more than one answer, more than one favorite bit about your job. <laughs> um, <laughs> They're related. They were related. <laughs> they are related. They are. Um, so talking a little bit about that, you know, nurturing a team and growing a team and growing those people that, that work alongside you. How do you look for new team members? Um, you know, what characteristics matter to you as someone who's going to join your team and how does that translate to your hiring? Yeah, it's a, it's a really great question. Um, and there's so much to think about because at the core, at the very basic level, you know, these functions that I lead that are part of my team are highly technical and there's a level of technical expertise that's needed. Um, and it's important that team members have that basic foundation because they're not going to be able to go beyond that if they don't have the foundation. Now, depending on the level, right? When we're hiring someone, you know, earlier in their career, there's, there's some teaching there, um, but we'll, you know, in interviewing, we'll do our best to, to understand the extent to which folks have a basic understanding and the extent to which that they're going to be able to learn and build on that. Um, but that said, we're, we're not first researchers. And, and I encourage this with my team. We're strategists that happen to also have researcher data expertise. Um, and so we, we seek to hire um, and inspire that way, you know, the existing folks as well as the people we're looking to hire. And I truly believe that that mindset is, is a driver of success. Um, you asked about, you know, the characteristics that we look for in team members. And, you know, it's not a perfect science, I would say, um, but it's that basic foundation. The other thing is to the extent, you know, that, that we can understand in a discussion and interviewing process, curiosity, um, never being satisfied with the first answer. That is, in my mind, such an important aspect of what we do. Um, you can't just be happy with the first round of data you get. There's always got to be more questions. There always has to be you know, further curiosity to, to build out that story and, and intuition to get to the answer. Um, I'd say there's, there's two other things that I'm thinking about. And, you know, one is connecting the dots and ability to take data from different sources and, and different points 
of interaction and tie them together to find the bigger picture. Again, it go, it, they're related. It goes back to not, you know, not just being happy with that first answer, but being able to say, okay, I might be doing this, you know, this particular research study, but I also have this other knowledge that I built up over time on this business or this consumer target. Um, and I'm going to tie it all together to tell a holistic story. Um, and then lastly, you know, related to that, excuse me, is storytelling ability. So, you know, you can have an amazing ability to do research or, you know, synthesize data. Um, but if you can't tell it in a story that's meaningful to your audience and, and recognize that different audiences need different things to be able to digest that information, and you're not able to influence in that way, then it doesn't matter, it falls flat. Um, and so, you know, I mentioned these things and, and curiosity is something you're somewhat born with, um, you know, and, and connecting the dots and storytelling, that's something that we, we train on because it is hard. It's incredibly hard. I mean, think about when you've got a pile of data, it's a lot easier to tell that story in sometimes a hundred pages than it is to tell that story in two pages. Um, and, you know, the biggest thing that I, that I try to tell my team with that is, um, you know, you need to get your point across succinctly and people trust that you're the expert in this area. So you don't need to show all the data. You just need to tell them the story that the data tells you. Um, and I realize, you know, somewhat ambiguous, but as we work through analysis, it's, it's again, it's knowing your audience and, and telling that story in a way that's going to influence and be meaningful. I love that. I think that that is one of the hardest things. I remember starting out and having all of, like, I, obviously I'm in marketing and you, you have all of this data and you think that, you know, it, whether it's your VP or the person you're reporting into, or like one of the founders of a business, you think that they care that you think that they're going to understand, I guess, all of that, those like very, very specific granular points of data. And really it's about saying, we can drive more leads if we do X or <laughs> we can, um, you know, do a much better job with our advertising if we do Y. Um, so I totally get that. And that's definitely taken me years to figure out. Um, so you talked about strategy and how you view the, your team as strategists who just happen to have, you know, really good ability to mine data and uh, gather insights. What does that mean to you? What does it mean to, to be a strategist? That's a good question. Um, to be a strategist is to have, you know, it goes back to that holistic picture I mentioned earlier. It's to have the, the complete business in mind and to be thinking about not just what does this data say, um, but what is the, you know, the impact to our strategy? What should we be doing with this business? How should we be talking about this brand? Um, and being able to, you know, have that conversation with our counterparts internally, um, but grounded in data and intuition. Um, and, and I would say the, you know, the folks, uh, what we aspire to is we want um, our, our internal partners to really look to us as strategists, the consumer expert. What is the right thing to do for the consumer and for the system? I love that. Um... Okay. If we switch gears a little bit and talk about research or like research methodologies, I would love to understand how you and your team kind of go about selecting a particular methodology or like, when is a good time to try a new one or try something that's a little bit more out of the box? 
I recently chatted to someone from Coca-Cola. Um, I think that episode will come out prior to this one, but they talked a little bit about how they view this. So I'm really keen to hear, you know, how do you decide how to approach a specific problem with, with what methodology? Yeah. Um, it's not a, not an easy one. I'd say, um, you know, there's times to depend on the tried and true methodologies. And then there's times when we want to explore and try new things. Um, we really push our team to, to do both, but to put a lot of focus every year when we write our goals, you know, on, on, uncovering new methodologies, new ways to do things, new partners to work with, um, because it's going to keep us fresh and our thinking fresh, right? Um, to me, it's all about assessing risk. That is the most important thing. And there's many facets to this. Um, there's risk in business decision. So if, if research is needed for something, and, and let's say this particular business decision uh, requires a tremendous capital investment based on the decision, then there's an incredible need for accuracy. We might lean more heavily on the tried and true methodology. Um, you know, the other thing that, to take into account is stakeholder expectations and comfort, um, who you're trying back to be influencing and who you're trying to work with and convince internally. It's important. Um, and this is an element of EQ, right? Emotional intelligence. It's, it's important to understand your internal stakeholders and, and what their ingoing assumptions and biases are. And if there's a situation where it's going to be hard to convince and drive a decision with a new methodology, that's an important thing to recognize um, because at the end of the day, that's, that's what might matter. Um, and then also weighing speed and precision. So when do we have enough you know, existing knowledge and intuition where we can just lean in versus when do we need to do new research? Um, so when it comes to methodology, you know, I do uh, there are many times that we're trying new methods and new partners. And oftentimes it's, either a test and learn, we'll, we'll do that behind the scenes sometimes um, to see if, if something works out well and then we'll roll it out more broadly. Or if it's, if it's a business decision that has a little bit you know, less risk to it and there's more ability to try something new. Um, but I do think you know, assessing risk is key in two regards. One, in terms of um, whether or not you do research, which is really the first question. Like, you know, I, I don't want to do research just because we have a question to answer. There are a lot of questions that we can answer with our intuition and we know enough. Um, and then if we do need to do research, to what extent do we need to lean on the tried and true? And to what extent is it a time that's appropriate to try something new? Um, and like I said, we've, I mean, as we think about our research spend and our priorities this year, we are really pushing the team to try new things when we can. I love the way that you're, you're bringing up intuition because it's something that I haven't actually spoken to anyone, you know, on the podcast about before this idea that intuition is sometimes enough. Um, this is a very difficult question to answer, but how do you know when it's enough? Like what, what is, (laughs) what is enough? Uh, you, you don't, you're never, and that's the hardest part, right? Like you're never going to be a hundred percent certain that you know the answer when it comes to using your intuition. Um, but it comes back to that risk level, right? So if, if it's a decision we're making that the implication of me being wrong is not humongous, then you lean into your intuition versus researching it to death. Or if speed is more important then you lean into intuition. How do you know? I mean, I'll tell you, intuition is in some part 
something you're born with, right? But in in other part, it's just it's it's built on years of experience and different different experiences, right? So you learn from mistakes you've made, you learn from things you've seen, you learn from things you've seen competitors do, um, and you really just start to build that intuition over time. Um, I wish it was an easy, like you said, it's not it's not, it's not an easy question because you never know for sure that you're right. Um, but I think, you know, everyone has intuition and people don't always give themselves credit for it because it's a lot easier to say, well, this study said X percent this, um, than to say, you know, I have all of these pieces of information from my environment and my past experience to say that the right decision is why. Um, but, you know, as consumer insights, analytics, sensory professionals, um, it's really important that we trust ourselves and trust that gut that consumer mm. gut, that intuition, because I go back to like, we know better than anyone else. <laughs> and so that, yeah. that, um, that trust in ourselves is just, it's just important. Yeah, that makes sense. Sorry about that. That was a very difficult question to answer. <laughs> um, you, did, you did a good <laughs> no, job. <laughs> I figured it was coming. <laughs> <sighs> um, okay. And then a last thought on this. So you know, that years of experience that you touched on, do you think that that's what prevents, I guess, you and then perhaps your team from making assumptions about consumers and tastes? Like, is it the, the experience? Because what I'm thinking about is like, it's often almost the inverse, right? Um, I know for myself, for instance, if I'm looking at our target personas, I'll often assume something about that persona that perhaps isn't still true, especially like we've gone through, like if we're talking about like uh, purchase drivers or motivations for purchasing a product, I might assume, oh yeah, no, I know that, you know, people within this field really care about this or, you know, at this level, this is what really drives them to make purchasing decisions, but often that, that changes over time. So very long-winded question, but how do you kind of prevent yourself from, from doing that and making those assumptions? Yeah, I mean, I'd say as humans, it's natural to have bias. We all do. Um, and I think the key is recognizing when that bias exists in anything, not even just related, you know, to my job, but just recognizing the bias and assuming, you know, you don't want to assume the consumer shares your beliefs and values. It's, it's natural to feel that way. Um, it's often actually not the case. And I would say, you know, I feel like it's my job, it's my team's job to encourage consumer empathy throughout the organization. And I'd say, you know, up, down and sideways, um, up to our executive leadership team, always, you know, helping them to see like, okay, you know, this person in your family is, I don't know, eats a certain way as a vegetarian, that doesn't mean everyone is. And helping them to see the broader, you know, the broader landscape. Um, you know, we'll often do actually qualitative research. And, and I think, you know, others at uh, other companies would say the same. We often do qualitative research to bring our internal partners closer to our consumer. So sometimes the objective of the research is just to bring the team along, um, you know, and get them closer to that consumer. Um, you know, and I'd say secondarily, there's always the learning aspect, but sometimes it's just really about that, that immersion for the team. Um, and I would say, you know, we all, like I said, we all have, have bias, but, um, but it is, it's, it's our job to really, you know, to make sure that, that we're not, that we're not doing that and that we're thinking more broadly and recognizing, you know, that oftentimes really the consumer is not the same as us. Yeah. Yeah. It's the consumer is not the same as us, but also the consumer preferences and behaviors change so rapidly. So like 
making sure that, you know, I was thinking about the personas I made at the beginning of the year and like, how true are they now? Um, so that's definitely something that keeps me up at night to finish off. I, I wanted to ask you like, what keeps you up at night or when it, when it comes to your work? Um, I mean, we can talk about personal, <laughs> personal as well, but when it comes to your work, <laughs> what's keeping you up at night? Like, what problems are you and your team wrestling with right now? Yeah, um, I think easy answer, and I'd be remiss to not say this, would be the pandemic. Um, and that probably actually also qualifies as the personal answer. But um, from a work <laughs> perspective, um, <laughs> there's just so much unknown, um, you know, but yet so much to discover. And like I said before, our jobs have never been more important. Um, and it's interesting because it would be easy to say, oh, my gosh, this is too overwhelming. Like, we don't know the answer and just move on that's okay. We're running toward that. We don't know the answer, but we're going to figure it out. And like I said before, like, we're going to know better than anyone else at the organization. Um, and so, you know, I do remind the team that we know better. We, you know, we're closest to it. This is our job. Um, we can figure out what to expect from consumers. We're not going to be totally right. Um, but we're going to, again, use our intuition, use data and get to the best possible place we can. And it's our job to help the organization anticipate the future. Um, but, you know, what it keeps me up at night because it's ever changing. Just when we think we've figured out what consumers are going to do next, there's something else that hits the media that changes the trajectory. Um, you know, but it's interesting and it's something that we are working hard against. Um, and like I said, it's been really important for my team to be really engaged in this. Um, our business, I mean, as with any company, our business has been tremendously impacted by the pandemic. Um, we have a food service business as well as a retail business. And so they have their own, you know, their own challenges um, and just really helping the teams to navigate that. Uh, you know, secondarily, and this is a bit of a bit of a right turn. It's a, a different topic. But, you know, as I think about this, you know, it's the evolution of the function. And I say it keeps me up at night, but like in a good way, I guess. Um, you know, it's moving quickly. There are new tools. We talked about, you know, new mindsets. Mm. Um, and I'm so incredibly grateful that our function is becoming more and more elevated in the industry as well as at Tyson. Um, you know, so what keeps me up about that, I want to ensure that my team members are happy, they feel valued. Um, it's an incredibly competitive marketplace. Um, I want to make sure they feel like they're continuing to grow. I can't do my job without my team. And, um, you know, so we need to maintain that balance, knowing that the workload is much more than it ever was before because of the pandemic. Um, and so I want to I want to make sure that we're balancing that um, and also, you know, balancing the immediate and urgent needs of the pandemic with continuing to build our function and get smarter every day. Um, I'm never really satisfied in that regard. I always feel like we can do better. Um, no matter what we accomplish, more is always possible. And like I said, I, I have a great team. I truly do. Um, couldn't be prouder of everything that we accomplish um, and just continue to push to be the best as well, knowing, you know, I talked about, it's funny, I talked about in your very first question, which I, I haven't, now I'm telling the world, I haven't told everyone about that first job in the call center, but, um, you know, research was very different back then. Yeah. Call center based, graphing it up, sending on the graph to the client. And, you know, it's very different now and we need to make sure we're not left behind and that we're not only evolving with the function, but driving the function. This has been so interesting, Risa. Thank you so much for your time. Um, I know that anyone who wants to get into research or is already in research will find some golden nuggets of insight from what we've talked about today. Love that. Such a positive way to finish off. Um, yeah. I will 
I will leave you now. Uh, we've got another episode up next week. So definitely if you're listening, come back and uh, hear us chat to some more really interesting folks. Risa, I will talk to you soon. Great. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed this. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Dig In. If you want more information about Dig Insights or Upside, please check us out on LinkedIn or at our websites at diginsights.com or upside.com. If you have any ideas for future episodes or would like to be a guest, please feel free to direct message me through the LinkedIn app. Thank you.